0: Continuing our focus on the impact that the changing world of work model is having on our workplace experience, I want to put it back to look at specifically how this hybrid model is affecting employee engagement. So in this episode, I want to take a deeper look at what's really going on and what challenges the hybrid model is bringing to leaders who are out there trying to build, maintain, or grow levels of genuine employee engagement and create sustainably enabling and productive cultures. I also want to discuss how all this is also affecting performance and productivity, something in the UK we particularly struggle with compared to many other developed countries. And what can we practically do to provide a working environment where people do have the opportunity to thrive personally whilst delivering sustainable, repeatable results for the business? And if I'm honest, I'm also treating myself in this show because I'm speaking to a very good mate today. A good mate from my childhood who, if we're both honest, lost track of each other, but we recently got reconnected again. And actually, I think we'll find out we're pretty much stunned at how our different journeys have brought us back to a meeting of minds and now similar circumstances. So, look, I'm delighted today to be joined by Brad Taylor. Brad is the founder of Strategically People, which is an HR strategy consultancy. And is also a senior associate with Advanced Workplace Associates, where today he helps organizations develop their workplace experiences and their approach to hybrid working. But interestingly, he was previously the director of people, organization design and workplace for the CIPD, Professional Body for HR Professionals. So even though I'm talking to my mate Brad today, I'm not sure there are many more qualified people to talk on this topic today. So look, I'm really f- looking forward to hearing Brad's view on the current world of hybrid and giving us a real heads up to the practical things and steps you can take to continue to engage your people and strengthen your workplace culture. Brad, welcome to the show, mate.
1: Andy, thanks ever so much. It's really great to be here. And who would have thought after all those years, here we'd be on a podcast together doing this. I know,
0: but mate, if we're honest, podcasts didn't even exist when we yeah. were kids, like mucking around. And I reckon if we had projected forward... As to a conversation we might record, it would be more akin to Smith and Jones, again, a reference showing our age, than Mm -hmm. sitting here talking about the world of work and HR and people and and leadership. Weird. I
1: know. Our our dream was probably either to be uh, on a stage rock starring uh, (laughs) and gigging in some form or uh, stand-up comedians. Um, And who would have thought, here we are, instead, talking about how we get the very best out of people,
0: and uh, helping organisations to to do that as well It's incredible. It's just madness. It, it, I mean, I look I look back at our childhood. Yeah, two two very good mates, two guys who went in completely different directions. Right, I I went off into hotel and catering, and then ended up going into marketing, right, and leisure. Yeah, and I mean, you went banking, right?
1: Yeah. I did, I know. And I remember being jealous of you because you were going off to the United States and getting all this experience in the hospitality industry. You know, and there I am in a bank. Uh, you were earning money, mate. <laughs> it, it, it was good though. I mean, it was incredible. You know, I went I went to work for Barclays and um it quickly made a really great bunch of mates there as well. I mean, it was an incredible atmosphere. It was at a time of growth as well. So, you know, lots of people going in and um, and I was fortunate enough as well to move around different branches and then into regional office for a bit and then later on into head office. So I got exposure to so many different elements of a big organization and how a big organization works. Um, and then that's that's where the spark came for actually people and change and all of those sort of things as well. But it was never I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? As you grow up. There's no manual that says here's all the jobs. Nope. You know, pick, no. pick the one that you will be good at, or you think you will have a natural spark for in life. So you find it
0: as you go. Yeah. How many jobs that guys, younger guys do today even existed when we were back there? Like Perhaps. I look at my kids today and go, yeah. what jobs are they gonna gonna do? They're, I don't even know even know they are no. right now. It's gonna be crazy. It is, and I have that
1: with my, my 12-year-old son. Every week has a different job that he wants to do when he grows up, and I keep saying to him, look, just relax, chill, <laughs> because they probably haven't invented the jobs yet that are going to exist when you enter the market eventually, and they'll be much more exciting probably than than they are today, and a lot of the ones you're talking about will probably be been replaced by AI.
0: <laughs> yes, and I think he's in good company. I am reckon there's 30-year-old people listening to this podcast who still don't know what they want to do, so I think let's give the 12-year-old a break. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> anyway- it's never too late it's never too late it's right, like, and things change but look, anyway exactly. let's let's come back to today's topic before we get stuck into all of that mate i mean you've got an impressive background now but so just give us a little bit of a flavor about the sort of things you're up to where, where your focus is directed right now before we start digging into this topic okay thanks andy yeah i've been fortunate really that my career
1: has spanned both being on the sort of sharp end of the side, you know, in banking, working with clients and, and developing teams and all those other things. And then also going into HR and helping organizations to think a bit more strategically about how they get success mm. out of their people and how they correlate that with what they're trying to do and how they're trying to represent themselves to the outer world. Um, and then about 18 months ago, um, having taken all that knowledge, having been HR director for a, a couple of organizations, particularly in the not-for-profit sector, mm. um, my, I, I was discovering fast that my passion was very much in uh, culture engagement and and how you you bring the synergies together between workplace. So the guys that are that are helping out with facilities management, real estate, and all the great people working in technology and IT to um, effectively create the enablers for how people collaborate. And then HR, OD, L and D, those things really need to come together and work cohesively. To create a great experience for people to give their very best work and to enjoy what they do and to feel as enabled as possible. Um, Which therefore led me to say, you know, to take the decision to go more into the consultancy world. Um, And I had um, worked in the past um, with I'd done some work as a client with AWA, Mm. Advanced Workplace Associates, um, who specialise in this, and they've been doing it for 30 years, right, uh, um, in terms of helping organisations. So um, I I work with them now as a senior associate, helping other organizations, going into organizations and helping them pretty much these days. It's all about hybrid working. And how do we, you know, organization question is how do we um, translate and transfer what we've been doing historically to a much more hybrid model in the future whilst being productive, whilst having engaged people, whilst looking after how they're doing and everything um, and growing and not losing people and how do we interpret and predict what's going to be happening in the future as well so that we know do we need offices anymore and if so how much space do we need and what should they look like and what should we be doing in terms of helping people be as effective in their home working environments or remote working environments as well so that's what i do i go into the, those organizations and work with a great team at awa and we we help those organizations look at it from all of those lenses to really then help be be successful in the new world.
0: I think it really is about all those different expertise coming together, right? It's not the bastion of HR to think about everything and do everything in the same way as, you know, my, my my background as a marketer was, well, what the heck are you doing talking about culture? Well, I used to sit in the middle of HR operations, marketing, everything, trying to create one customer truth, you know, one brand truth and make sure it all kind of aligns. To me, it's a very, very similar sort of situation when it comes to culture and engagement. It's a coming together of a lot of things behind a single kind of truth and drive. I I think this world of hybrid is really interesting. It's been talked about a lot, right? Especially over the last two to three years. You know, is it, I hate the phrase, the new normal, because I don't think we really understand what normal is. But you might have a different sort of view of that because you're exposed to to a lot more of it. But what's, what's going on in the market right now why is there such a focus on it what's the data say what's coming out of it and what the heck is going on at Twitter at the moment because yeah. <laughs> like even this morning's popped up Elon Musk has now locked people out of the building because yes. they're complaining about this sort of hardcore rule of work and remote you know this is a business that said before Elon Musk came in work from home forever we don't we don't care yeah. work what work how it how's best for you and he's kind of come in and gone yeah nuts to that um you're going to be here at least 40 hours a week in this office change your desk i want to see hard work i mean that's completely polarized views is that representative of what's going on in the market what, what are you what are you seeing i don't think it's representative of what's going on in the market i, I mean i know that the view that i think
1: the email was something along the lines of sign up for intensively long hours and hard work or leave please and i think a lot of people are now leaving and saying, okay well i'll take option b Thank yeah. you, because there's plenty of other organizations out there that are offering um the the type of work that suits me, and I think yeah. I and that will enable me to give my best to that organization. So it's a very sad um it's a very sad thing, really, for those people that have probably had a lot of passion and engagement and commitment to the success of Twitter. It's clearly going to look like something different in the future. you know, and and certainly we you know, we want it to succeed. We want it to do well. So whatever that emerges, you know, all the very best. But it's a shame that, Um, that sort of approach doesn't really help in terms of um, encouraging people to voluntarily say, yes, I'm signing up for that, please. I I think
0: what I would say on that is interesting, right? Because there's, there's a little dark side of me that actually appreciates perhaps some honesty in the values and culture that that business is going to align itself to. So when you sort of, when he's saying, Sign up for hard work, long hours, yada yada. Yeah. It's not sugarcoating the the potential of saying, "Hey, we're all about work-life balance." Come in, and you get shocked that that is not what the reality of the culture is, and yeah. is not going to attract people to work in that culture. Whereas he's saying, "No, no, no, no. This is this is going to be long hours, hard work, blah blah,", blah which really might appeal to a, to a, a section of people. In which case, he's going to hire people that are a good fit for him. I don't know. What, what do you think about that, well,
1: that That's the thing, I think, Andy, and, and it goes to your question at the start there, because you're right. The phrase new normal has been used so mm. many times. So every, every time something happens, oh, well, this is the new normal. And likewise, um, you know, remember we used to talk about a VACA world, you know, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Well, it's it's that now, even more so than it ever was prior to the pandemic when you look at everything that's going on in the world right now. So I think we're constantly in a state of reinventing ourselves as a civilization. Um, I never thought I'd see in my lifetime a a world where this type of opportunity to work from home or remote Mm. places and have more sort of self-control about when I go into an office or not would ever exist. Mm. I thought that was going to be future generations of enlightenment. And then the pandemic came along and it like hit a massive reset button or reboot button on civilization. And then suddenly people's eyes are opened, um, both because I think, they realized actually there's a different way of doing this. Mm. And secondly, because their priorities changed, they had to, you know, family arrangements or looking after loved ones or, um, travel and transport and cost and all those sort of things impacted people in a way that they said, actually, I, I've, I've rebalanced everything now, the way that we're doing things. And the fear I think then that was bubbling away within people is, is my employer suddenly going to snap? back to getting us all back into an office when a lot of my life has changed Mm. and i'm going to struggle with that Mm. so there was um almost a call i think from the public at large to say let's for those that can can, there's a lot of jobs out there that just couldn't have this option but for those that can let's let's look at this in a different way i can be just as productive if not sometimes more productive um working from home but I also understand that there are times when it'd be great to go into an office. There are things that would be really valuable, like social connection, you know, just just checking in on people, making sure they care. Or access to technology or facilities that I just don't have at home. Mm. So, so there's an opportunity there. But I think what we're seeing is still this uh, deep-rooted nervousness that, oh, if I do venture in, are you going to suddenly close the doors and lock it? And then I've got to be in five days a week. Yeah. So yeah. I think there's there's an openness and there's an understanding and we're certainly seeing that if we ask people why would you go into an office all of those reasons come out but it's not necessarily coming through to the level that perhaps employers thought they would be seeing and that's causing a degree of nervousness because remember these are organizations these leaders are responsible for the success of these organizations Mm. and they've got these massive offices in some cases sitting on their hands knowing do we dispose of them do we keep them do we reconfigure them do we downsize do we you know we want to grow our staff over the long term what do we do Mm. and we don't we don't all know because this is the first pandemic we've, we've emerged from in the last hundred years or so. And so it's being written still as we go, both in terms of operationally, how do we need to do things, but also psychologically and behaviorally, how do we want to do things in the future?
0: Yeah, there's a massive like commercial and human balance piece that's, that's, that's going on in here. And underlying all of that is a big trust foundation. There's a piece around the leadership. I guess having to understand their people far more deeply than they have perhaps in the past when they're seeing them right in front of their faces the trust thing, of actually doing your work. I mean, goodness me, when, the, when all this started, I mean, I remember hearing people talk about spyware being put onto people's laptops to sort of track what they were physically doing every day whilst they were working from home because... You know, Alan Sugar would just suppose everybody is just slacking off having cups of tea and biscuits and, you know, work's gone to pots. You know, we don't hear so much of that anymore, but there is still this relationship of, do we trust people to do the work we need them to do when they're not right, right with us? And at the same time, you've also got all these themes about, well, you're going to come into work on a Monday because we're going to collaborate on a Monday and then you can go home on Tuesday and you can do teams calls on a Tuesday and then Wednesday, you know, and we had to, we thought we'd bring some sort of order to this chaos of hybrid but that's not that's not true that's not really working today it doesn't look like that what is going on how how are how are the sort of extremes coming through who who's making decent moves in this and what are the employees saying what are new candidates looking for in, in, in this whole kind of new emerging space yeah, I mean, to some extent, we we need to be mindful of the
1: illusion of control, don't we, in, yeah. in all of these things? Because if anything, the pandemic showed us that we're not always in complete control <laughs> of what's going on on this planet. Um, I think also if we cast our mind back to when the pandemic started and you know, we, we had to go into a lockdown, there were organisations that, uh, that came from a care-centric, employee-centric perspective. Mm. Um, and there were those that actually were more about survival. You know, we don't care about the people. We just need to lay people off. Um, You know, it was pretty harsh for a lot of people. Yeah. And, and straight away people were then realizing that, um, oh, actually that's interesting. I didn't expect to be treated like that. Um, how's that making me think about the organization? Um, so, so there was that first of all. And then as it's progressed, I think that's, that's kind of like a theme that's going through as well, that there are those organizations where they had perhaps the enlightened leadership, which is people actually in that situation did the right thing. Mm. You know, they, they, they worked with us as we organized ourselves and quickly tried to roll out technology and laptops and chairs and whatever we might need to do to get people to work effectively um and actually they they rose to the challenge so let's continue that theme that that sense of empowerment and, and exploring together about how we make this successful mm. and that proves i think very positive in terms of of where those organizations want to be in the future and then there is the command and control mentality you know this need from from certain leaders is i've got to control it i've got to know what's going on perhaps i'm a, you know perhaps i've got a board that is drilling me and asking me hundreds of questions and i need all the answers so therefore Let's roll out the spyware let's get them back in three days a week mm. so I can see them and I when I walk around I can sense that buzz of energy and people are working busy slaving away you know because when you're working from home you can't get you can't sense it you're just staring at your own screen yeah and when things are going wrong it's harder particularly for those people to just breathe a bit and and work through the natural normal channels just to make sure everything's happening you know the panic rises and then it's right. HR director, get everyone back in the office now and let's let's mandate it. Now, to your point earlier on, yeah. I think you're right, actually. I think, you know, ultimately, decisions need to, sorry, organisations need to be a bit decisive about where do we stand on this mm. because we do need to give people clarity. Mm. Um, whether that's, okay, we're going to adopt a, this approach, we want you in two days a week, do it, um, or else, <laughs> or um, actually, you know, our approach will be uh, much more fluid and organic over the next eighteen months or so. We're then going to take a view as to what are we seeing emerge and what's being successful and what's not, and then we're going to put some harder principles in place mm. around how we do things. It's more about the certainty, and that's what we discover. You know, when we talk to business leaders, is you know what are you doing? now given how uncertain it is and we don't know how the future will emerge yeah. a lot of them are saying that it's just better to be decisive it's better to be doing something whether we downsize keep things out whatever rather than just leave people in a state of perplexity and uncertainty
0: yeah well as humans we don't react well to uncertainty we've, we've covered that as a topic on this podcast yeah. before and i i think this is definitely where we're seeing people fall into different categories right those who are Really thinking and involving the whole workforce to try and understand what, h- how do we best work together? Let's put some rules in place and we'll, we'll have a look and see how it goes and we'll change together to try and bring some certainty that way versus the real draconian. Nope. Right. This is what we're doing. We're going to put the lines in the sand to try and give some certainty. And then there's a sort of wobble in the middle that is, yeah. Oh, well, hey, we'll just come into the commune and everything will be fine. But it, it, I I don't know what you say. Certainly, when I work with clients who have quite a large degree of hybrid going on, it's often really hard to coordinate people. Re- really, quite hard to coordinate people, and you see a lot of fractures in teams. So teams, yeah. even de- departmental mm-hmm. teams, traditionally you would think would know each other really, really well. Have got good working relationships, understand each other. You know, I, I personally am seeing more of that fragmentation within departmental teams that I'm not I wouldn't have been familiar with before what sort of challenges are you seeing at the forefront of all the work you do with AWA and what have you that people are having to deal with today that that hybrid has either brought about or is challenging or or maybe you're seeing things actually where hybrid's really having a beneficial effect
1: yeah i i think that um first of all it's, it's 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 like rebuilding an organization whilst the whole thing's still moving mm. um and and i think a lot of organizations forget or fail to see just how carefully that needs to be done and therefore there's a lot of false starts that go on because mm. um at the end of the day we're talking about people and people behaviour and we need to understand that in order to be able to put the right things in motion that will enable the organisation to be reconfigured as successfully, and as effectively and efficiently as possible. And that tendency just to throw out, um, well, we'll just do three days a week, for example, without thinking about how that's going to land for people who have got all those factors going on in their minds that we were just talking about earlier on, is a bit naive, to be frank, and then they, and then they are surprised that it doesn't work. And then you know, engagement starts dropping because people don't feel part of it anymore. Mm. And then they end up having to do some sort of rebrand and say, right, we need to start the whole thing again because this this now has a bad name um, and we've got to regroup and we've got to think a bit more carefully about how we're going to do it. I think also in a hybrid working world where we haven't got immediate access to people visually all day long, it's natural that that as humans, we fill in the blanks. Yeah. So the gaps of silence or what we think is going on a thought pops in our head that says, "Oh, this is what's happening here." We subscribe to that thought as if it's a reality, and then we start behaving in a certain way. So, the demands that are being placed on leadership, and in particularly line managers, has increased significantly because they need to be so much more attuned now to every individual in their team, whether they're in the office or whether they're working from home. You know, that means a bit more face time with them, checking that they're okay, checking in on their well being, what's going on in their world. Checking that they're clear on what needs to, you know, what are the objectives and the outcomes that need to be delivered? And has that person got the clear runway as it is mm. to, you know, press ahead and deliver those things? And if not, what needs to be unblocked? Um, these are huge demands on people that perhaps traditionally have got to where they are because they're good at what they do. You know, they didn't enter the workplace thinking, I want to be a people leader. So I think the challenge with helping organizations move to hybrid is. First of all, getting to have a really serious think about, okay, strategically, what must this organization be doing and achieving in order to be sustainably successful? Secondly, what sort of culture is going to drive that? You know, how how what works in the past? Was it great or did it suck? Yeah. And, and if it sucked, how do you want it to be? And if it's great, okay, let's think about what made it great. Mm. And now how do we effectively digitize that and, yeah. and make it seem the same in a more hybrid working world? so that people stay attuned to it and feel passionate about it and want it all to succeed just as much as possible and that these line managers can deliver on that commitment. And that probably means organizations having to rethink about ratios of line managers, the what we're asking line managers to do, and how do we equip them to do that as well? Because it really does call for some intense people skills now. Are you willing to have an uncomfortable conversation in a skillful way with someone? Yeah. And how do you do
0: it? I think that's a really good point because I think I, I have a hope and a belief that off the back of all of the last two, three years, the 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 growth or as I used to call it the bow wave of humanity that came back into sort of business on the back of that stuff, it was quite overwhelming at the start. You know, everybody was looking out for each other, it was yeah. like taking a bit more of a personal interest in it. But there's a real kind of human spirit that sort of came out and then it started to sort of wane a wee bit. And now we're in this kind of like finding our way. I think what it's really doing, and for really good businesses, I think what it's doing is making them re-evaluate, like you say, what what culture does does this business need to succeed? And actually, what the heck does that really look like? And how intentional are we going to be in putting things in place, in recognizing certain behaviors, certain attitudes that will then deliver that? So, you know, whether it is, thinking or rethinking about the the values the core values of this business what are they how are they going to enable and deliver the outcomes and objectives we've got for this business and really add value to every in the day and is that wholly different from what we had before i think there has to be a more active approach to thinking and managing and planning these things whereas before Perhaps they just landed in our lap. They were a bit more organic, and they just sort of happened. And we we were lucky. People were there. We could pick stuff up in the moment and deal with stuff. It's not that case anymore. I think it has to be far, far more intentional. I don't know what you think about that. But- uh, I think you're right, Andy. I think you know. I think of culture being about
1: how do I need to behave in order to thrive and survive around here, and a lot of that is always driven by the leader's behaviour. You think of yeah, country governments, prime ministers, presidents, whatever, dictators, whoever is in power. I've worked for a few. Yeah. Yeah. And we all right. <laughs> so their behavior and their values, as such as their personal values, influence the behavior of pretty much everyone else within that organization, particularly at the senior level. And then it ripples down through the organization. And we can probably all think of examples where. People who we thought were previously very responsible, good people behave very differently Mm. under the influence of a different type of leader in a country. And that's no different in organizations as well. And historically, that influence about what matters around here, what am I going to do that actually is going to be recognized and and rewarded? And what things would I do that actually means I probably wouldn't be around for very much longer if I continue to behave in that way? Mm. you You could pick it up from just the presence of the leader walking around the organization. The leader could sense it as they're walking around as well. But it's different in a hybrid world because that visibility isn't there. So if, if organizations say, well, how will we sustain our culture in a hybrid world? Well, my answer will always be, well, who is being most visible at the moment? Because if it's not you as a leader, someone somewhere probably is. Someone's probably mm-hmm. filling that space because nature hates a vacuum. And that person is likely now starting to influence because that's what people's, are, are, you know, they are, that's being transmitted. And that's what they're picking up from, from what they see. So I I think leaders just need to really do think about actually how am I conveying this in terms of the values of the organisation, what it stands for for our customers, and how we're internalising that, and then how we're broadcasting that and creating dialogue so that people tune into this is what matters around here, this is the nature and the flow of the organisation.
0: And and I, th- I think that's entirely true, but it's going to take more determined effort than perhaps it needed to previously. I think this stuff's always been important. Right. I think people have always compared what other businesses are are doing or what what, what it's like over the fence. You know, all these things sort of existed, but I just think it's more heightened. And I think hybrid makes it slightly harder. Or you've got to use different tactics or strategies to make this happen. Right. So if we go back to my favorite model ever, and people who listen to the podcast are bored of me referencing (laughs) Lencion's triangle, but you know, when you're face to face with people working in an office every day trying to build trust by understanding people getting to know them as individuals you know speaking to them with on a needs based basis like what do they really need from me uh, how do i speak to them to elicit the great stuff you know really really understanding and building strong foundations of trust is the platform for any high performing team now doing that in a more remote hybrid world where you have less contact face-to-face with someone perhaps than previous. I don't know. You might have more now with video technology. That That's a weird thing to think about. Yeah. But how do you intentionally start building trust? How do you, you've mentioned it before, how do you have those difficult conversations on the basis of having trust? That means you really work stuff through, involve everybody, collaborate, and then commit to, to talk, taking actions going forward. The way we do that has been challenged with this new working model. Are you seeing anything specific happening in that area? What what is that trust building challenge looking like for leaders? And, and what are you seeing really good people do? Yes.
1: I think in the early stages of lockdown, um, and say a year in, a lot of organizations were reporting that engagement had gone up mm. in there. And that was probably because actually this sense of everyone being an equal box on a screen on a video call, and it didn't matter where you were in a world, and in, in the world as well. So for a lot of organisations who may have felt like they were the second-rate citizens because they were in another country, um to whichever was the host country for the organisation, suddenly said, "Actually, it feels a lot better. We feel much more equal now, and we're having equal airtime." Yeah. Um. So, but that quickly then became eroded because fatigue sets sets in, and that's because a bit like when we first learned to drive a car, we're having to think consciously about everything we're doing. Things that were just autopilot in the past of how we we ran our day suddenly weren't anymore. You know, if I if I if I, you know, I need to speak with Andy about, you know, has he sent that email to Joanna? um, Well, I can't just pop over to you anymore. So do I do I just dial you up on Teams or Zoom Mm -hmm. or do I make an appointment to speak with you about this? How does it work? So so there's this mental drain, this cognitive drain on people as they're now trying to, to battle through this. And then what we start to see on calls is people start turning their cameras off because it's. We're not used to looking at ourselves on a screen all day long, let alone other people on a screen and interacting in that sort of way. And that drains people as well. Now that then makes it more difficult for line managers because now as a line manager, I can't see you anymore. Are you okay? Are you there? Are you weeping? And I I have no way of knowing that, you know, you're breaking down on in the meeting. Mm. Um, I, you know, is what I'm saying of interest to you. So this is harder. So it does, it calls for so much more intentionality from a, from a leader and a manager about, How do I check in with you and how do we establish some protocols for working that mean that we can all do our jobs effectively and and be a great, happy team and that I can do my job as a line manager as effectively for you as well? And that's that's the challenge is helping organizations to see that and to sometimes say, look, you need to slow down to go faster in the long run because you need to rework the wiring of this and and do some development work and help. Yeah you know, some some leaders will do it naturally well and there's some great people and they tend to be the leaders that never needed an appraisal process in the past because they just right. do it all anyway right yeah yeah you know so so but for the rest of us you know we need some processes and we need some you know uh, help and some exposure to these challenging types of situations to equip us and make us feel a little bit more comfortable when we need to do that in future so that I can then get my team together as a lead and say right We're going to think about how we work now, effectively as an organization, uh, sorry, effectively as a team, given Mm -hmm. who we are. Um, But in doing that, all of your individual circumstances matter, and that we need to take that into account. The team matters. So we need to, we want the team to be successful. And likewise, the organization matters, and we want the organization to be successful. So that means we may come up with some things that we later have to adapt, because it doesn't it doesn't gel effectively with other parts of the business that we need to be gelling with, and they will be having the same conversations as well. So we want people to be open minded, to constant change. And that, again, fatigues people because you know, change can be threatening. And there's a natural tendency once we've gone through the pain of change, say, right, that's it lock. And I'm sorry, other team, but that's not how we do things around here in our team. Well, we don't need that. We need them to be constantly in a state of openness and adapting and adjusting as we create this new normal, as we refer to it. Um, And that takes skill on on the part, again, of a manager to to both sustain that attitude themselves. You know, that's easy to say, but difficult to do when you're having a really bad day. But also to encourage your people to have that same mentality as well and and exhibit and demonstrate those behaviours and encourage them to do that.
0: Yeah, I I would totally agree with that. I, I think the interesting thing that sort of, for me, wraps around that, and I'm interested to sort of maybe... Here, if you if you see businesses finding solutions to these things, but I think part of the challenge of hybrid is missing those casual, spontaneous collisions that happen when everybody was together. You know, those those spontaneous bits of of learning or hearing something said by somebody that triggers something else in you. We we we've lost or it feels to me at least we've we've yeah. had that taken away from us a wee bit with this model and yet often those were the rich unexpected gold nuggets within businesses you know the casual conversation by the coffee machine that spawned a new a new idea earwigging to someone over over the fence about what they're doing and oh I well I did that last week and here's 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 how I solved all those sorts of things you know, are we are we able to process that spont- spontaneity? Those 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 relationship collisions, as I would call them, or I don't know, what are we doing? Am I am I wrong? Are we not losing these? We're finding other ways to do it, or or, or what? I think this is the challenge. I mean, you know, I can
1: remember in my previous role, you know, as HR director um i used to enjoy the the chats in the lift you know or in the coffee queue there were certain people that you would just meet that you wouldn't come into contact with in the in the normal run of your of your of your business of the work that you were doing and it was just special to be able to have a conversation and it would probably revolve around their family or how things are going or you know just just generally how they are and that's how you learn what else is going on isn't it as well you know some of the dynamics that might be going on that that you're unaware of um, because it just never reaches you in any other way, and I think that is difficult to recreate in a, a remote working environment. I think people have tried it with, you know, let's all get on, you know, a Zoom call on Friday afternoon with a drink or whatever, and and you have lots of people just looking at each other, thinking, "Is it my turn to speak or not?" You know, can't and force, force that, like Kenny. It. For it. Yeah, it's, just, it's really. It's difficult. And when people have been on video calls all day as well, it, I don't think you can force it. And that's where I think, you know, this is where offices do have a role to play and where people have a responsibility also to think, you know, if I'm part of this organization, then I need to be a part of it. And that means times when I go in and, you know, I'm going to bump into people and have those types of conversations. I'm going to play my part in it. Um because that's important. I, I don't think it's right just to think. Well, leadership needs to sort these things out. Hmm. Um, that's I'm sorry, because it, that's just not how the world works. You know, whether you're whether you're actively doing something or not, you are playing a part in the overall system and the outcomes of that system. Hmm. So, but I think that's what we need. Is is, and I think people intuitively get it. But somehow, it's still not happening in the translation, in terms of attendance, it's still no matter what people say they want to do, it's coming in at slightly less, the data shows, um, you know, we did a hybrid working index with, um, you know, whole whole range of organisations, what do we do We've about 40, 28 organisations, representing nearly 80,000 people around the world. Um, And, and it's all saying the same thing that actually, if you try and dictate, or people say the number of days they want to come in, they're coming in slightly less. Uh, interestingly if you leave it to people themselves they tend to come in more than if it's dictated to them but everyone does have a role to play in making that happen and making those spontaneous connections happen and it's important you know another example be people just joining the organization for the first time how do they get a sense of the culture of the organization and the mission and also learn their roles if there's not people that they can start you know talking with and 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 watching observing and asking
0: questions as well yeah that's a responsibility we all have yeah, I mean, argue that stuff was always important, right? But perhaps it's even more heightened. You know, I'm long since an advocate of onboarding Um, onboarding programs being less about here's your laptop your keys and your security codes and more like okay this is where we're going this is what this organization stands for who we stand with and this is the amazing role we'd like you to play in that and by the way thanks for coming to this organization please talk to me the ceo in the first 90 days openly about anything you see where the promise does not match up to the reality you know to me that's the focus of a of an onboarding program today not a you know here's your keys and Please be out the building by by 5 30. I, yeah. I think this is something, mate. It just feels very, very strange us having a very grown up conversation about stuff based on all the sort of rubbish. <laughs> when that when, we when used do to you do a song? When do we start singing? I was going to say, when do the impressions <laughs> kick in? Do, do some of um... our numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we could sing some Aztec <laughs> camera songs. Uh, no problem at all there. Um, oh, well. I know. We've unridiculously come to the bit of the show brand that I call Sticky Notes, right? Which is. After all the things we've kind of talked about, and we could talk for a lot longer, I'm looking for you to kind of try and summarise what we can actually practically do. What three bits of advice could you fit on three little sticky notes that people could take away? Thinking about how can we build more engagement in a in a hybrid working environment.
1: Yeah, I think that's great, and I've really enjoyed this conversation as well. It's been great, but I think you know if it, if engagement again, engagement to me is about um, a shared commitment to the sustained success of the organisation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and that. Everyone has it when they first join. No one really enjoys an organisation disengaged, do they? So so it's things that happen along the way that that perhaps cause disengagement. We want people who engage in, and see their role in it. So first of all, I'd say um, foster a culture of trust and responsibility. So avoid the monitoring and the things that's going to be quite oppressive, but instead help people to think about the three dimensions of myself as an individual, my team, and the organization and have conversations in that regard, encourage them to talk about it in that regard because the solutions will start to come through as people take responsibility for looking through those those three lenses. Secondly, help teams and encourage them to build effective working together agreements so that they come together and talk collectively and have the difficult conversations about what's working and what's not working, what are the opportunities and what are the challenges, and therefore how are we going to work effectively as a team? What are the norms? Now, how will we collaborate on documents? If we need to have uh, a one to one conversation, or if we need to have some feedback, is that going to be virtually or is it gonna be face to face? Mm. Or, you know, um, or by text? (laughs) What's going to be the (laughs) norms for doing that? Let's get it, let's go through the process of doing that. So build effective working together agreements. And thirdly, if you're a leader, be visible. You are the spark and the fuel of the 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 passion the fire of the organization in terms of engagement so you've got a big role to play in terms of sustaining that and just think about you know how are you achieving that it could be weekly blogs it could be the weekly video that goes out to people it could be the town halls something where you're pulling together what the organization stands for in terms of its brand values and its customers and how that's being internalized and portrayed with its people and the sense of. Success and pains that's
0: going on in the organization, so you're constantly tuning people into it. be visible. I love that three pretty foundational and very powerful sticky notes there make to sum up all this stuff about what we can do to build engagement in in an increasingly complex hybrid world. I'm going to say thank you for today, but not like a final thanks nice to nice to have a chat with you. <laughs> let's keep in touch because we will let's keep in 20 touch. years. yeah. <laughs> it's been great to get reconnected. I'm, I'm really excited to sort of see where we end up talking and working together in, in the future. I, I really appreciate you coming on to today, Brad and, and sharing what, what you're seeing and, um and what we can do about it. It's been, it's been great, mate. Really enjoyed it. Oh, me too, mate. I've absolutely loved it. And it's a great
1: podcast as well. I've been listening to it and enjoying this. I think you're, what you're doing is the right thing for this organ, you know, for the world and the organization's, so, uh, yeah, I'd love to to be back and,
0: uh, and, and yeah, you know, continuing the relationship. Absolutely. And we'll chuck in a few more impressions next time. Well, look, you, you, <laughs> you, you, you take care, mate, and I'll see you soon. You too. Thanks. Cheers, Brad. Okay, that was Brad Taylor. And if you'd like to find out a bit more about him or any of the things that we've talked about on today's show, please check out the show notes. So that concludes today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it found it interesting and heard something maybe that will help you become a stickier more successful business from the inside going forward if you have please like comment and subscribe it really helps i'm andy gorham and you've been listening to the sticky from the inside podcast until next time thanks for listening